cupcake, I guess, had embellished the story a little bit and told him that five guys from Fountain Green took my elk away by gunpoint. And he was ready to go confront them and clean their plow. Welcome in to Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. On today's show, I brought on my dad and we talk about hunting. And my dad shared a couple different hunting stories, which, just to kind of set the table, the last place you want to get into a confrontation is with a bunch of men on the mountain who all have guns. I'm just going to leave it at that. Listener discretion advised. If you don't like hearing stories about animals being shot, then this episode isn't for you. For those of you who don't mind, Let's give it a listen. I had deer chili for the first time yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and it was pretty good. What's interesting, so growing up on the western part of the United States, you know, we have mule deer, which are pretty big, and the hunt is a lot harder just because it's in the mountains. Mm -hmm. We'd only kill bucks. What's interesting out here is there are so many whitetail that people don't care if they kill a buck or a doe. They'll just shoot whatever. Yeah. If they need meat, they'll shoot a doe. It doesn't matter to them. Or if they want the antlers, they'll shoot the buck. But it's kind of interesting. Just the hunting culture is a little bit different uh, wherever you go. And in Utah, you can't use any kind of bait or anything to bring them in. That's illegal. But out here, you go to Walmart, you go anywhere, you can buy salt, you can buy corn that's specifically for hunting. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting with that culture. Well, back in those days, back in the 60s and up until about 1977, you could shoot either a buck or a doe. And a lot of the men were meat hunters and they'd shoot a doe like the first day, get it over with and take their meat home. And that allowed, I think, more bucks to grow into maturity. You Look at pictures that bucks that they shot back in the 50s and 60s. There were some huge bucks back in those days. Uh, they're a little harder to find now. But I enjoy having the buck only. I, I don't want to kill a doe or a fawn. And... It's interesting because out here in Missouri and Arkansas and Kansas, I see huge bucks. And I'm always thinking, man, how do they get so big out here? But there are so many of them, but I think it's to your point, they have the option of killing a doe. Bucks can reach maturity out here. Isn't most of your land there private and they post it? There's a lot of private land. A lot of it's protected. Uh, you have state parks or conservation land out here, but most of it's private. Yeah. And see, 70% of the state of Utah is public land, either USDA Forest Service or BLM. Or state. There's a lot of state land too, which is all open to hunting. They regulate it better now. And occasionally you'll see a big buck, but not very often. With the optics that they have nowadays, with their scopes, with their binoculars, they're able to find them a lot easier with the access they have with four-wheelers, with side-by-sides. It's a lot different now. My dad never owned a pair of binoculars, and he never used a scope. He always just shot with open sights, never did uh, use a scope or, or binoculars. 
or trail cameras or scouting or anything no trail like that. cameras which they just recently here in utah outlawed those they can't use them only if it's private land and only if they're using them to protect their livestock with hunting predators yeah they just outlawed that made it so it's not something that they can use now to to find and of course uh, those little drones things like that they can't use those so I've always, uh, when I've hunted deer, I always enjoyed when they started using muzzle loaders, and I started using the more authentic muzzle loader, and I stayed with that. I never did buy a, a modern uh, muzzle loading rifle. I use round balls, and then I'd also use mini balls, which the early trappers and and that used also. So I tried to be more authentic with using the muzzle loaders. The biggest buck I killed was with your old muzzle loader you're talking about with the round ball. Yeah, I can remember that. That was a big one. And it was crazy too, because when I shot it, it was laying down at first and it was rubbing its antlers in the sagebrush. And when it stood up, I shot it. And it was crazy because the skin was sinking in to uh-huh. where the bullet hole was and hmm. then it backed up and then it fell down. I shot it right in the perfect spot, but it was the crazy part was seeing that skin just slowly sink in kind of like a black hole. Anyway, those guns were heavy though. They're yeah. not light. Yeah, they are. You were in a tree stand, weren't you? No, I was, oh. I was up on a rock. I started up on a huge boulder and then I got off and started tracking them down and ran into it. Well, good. I remember my first real elk hunt. I was 17 years old and I hunted on our West Mountain. It was on public land and my dad and mother kept a horse around. They'd grown up on horseback and we always had a horse around for the kids and for my dad. And he always took a horse on the deer hunt. And why he did, I don't know, because he just ended up hauling everybody's deer out for him but I think he enjoyed doing it. He had it down pat and his old buckskin horse named Sally, she was half draft horse and she was good at it too. And I think he just enjoyed it. Some days that's all he did was haul everybody's elk out or deer out. Kind of a follow-up story with that. She never would load. You kids could ride her. She was gentle as could be, but she would not load in a trailer or the back of a truck. Couldn't get her to. And if you did, she went nuts. So every year it was my job. I got out of school early and I would ride that horse from our town, Moroni, to the Sand Pitch Mountains up on top of the mountains, up Maple Canyon and to the place up on top where we always camped. And this particular year, I took old Sally, rode her up there. It takes quite a while. You got to go about eight, 10 miles. And got her up there when me and my friends camped up on top in a tent. Got up the next morning, headed down a trail to a place called South Flat, where I knew some elk would probably be. We'd scouted out a little bit uh, during the bow hunt. And so we knew some elk were coming up out of the fields out of Fountain Green. And anyway, I got the horse down there, tied her up to a tree, and kind of nestled on a rock and... I could hear some elk down below me, and I kind of snuck down through the oaks and the brush, and I could see a spike bull elk standing there next to an elk wallow. And I had a brand new 
Winchester Model 70 30-06 that I'd earned money and bought. And I just put the old gun up and shot. I could tell I hit it because it humped up. And then all of a sudden, another guy starts shooting just south of me. And he shot and he shot. And then all of a sudden, I just stayed out of the way because I didn't want to get shot. He started screaming, I got it, I got it. So I got there first because I was right there just a few yards away. And I had with me, along with my rifle, I had a three fifty seven Magnum pistol. And that year they'd made it so that you could carry one legally. And you know, it was trying to get up on its front feet. Its hind legs couldn't move. And I walked up to it and I held up that three fifty seven Magnum. I'm just a young kid. But anyway, I held that gun up and I was just a shaking. And anyway, I shot it right in the head and it went down. And so by then, here came the other guy. And I knew who he was. He was what, about five years older than me. And he come there and says, get away from my elk, you know. And I says, no, I, I shot it first. And then I shot it last, too. He says, no, I shot it. And we argued there a little bit. Well... Four other guys from Fountain Green showed up, his dad and three other guys. And the one guy who was a pretty reputable hunter worked for the fishing game. And he said, well, I could tell by the first shot that this kid hit it by the sound of the shot. And so we argued some more. And while we were discussing what to do about it and who hit it, which way it was standing, where my bullet hole went in, where his went in, and... His dad and another guy were actually cleaning the elk, and as they cleaned it, they found a hole. He was hunting with a two twenty two Swift, something like that, small caliber, and then my thirty out six had blown a hole right through its guts. If I'd have been just a few inches, not so excited, I'd have hit it in the lungs and it would have went right down. But anyway, we argued about it, and I thought, well, I'm not just going to take a half an elk. This is easy, elk hunting. I'll just go shoot another one. And the other guy, he was kind of cocky too. He said, I don't want a half. So he said, let's flip for it. And they let me call it. The thing is, the day before, I was the co-captain at the football game. And at the coin toss, I called it, and I called it wrong. So I thought, I'm going to call it opposite of what I called the day before at the football game. And I lost. So he ended up with the elk. I went and climbed on my horse. And I remember they said, oh, wow, I'll bet that horse could haul this whole elk out i just ignored him and they said wow that's a good looking rifle where'd you get that you know and i just got on my horse and rode back up to camp feeling kind of bad that i didn't get that elk that night we were camped up there on top and my one friend's dad came up and then another guy from moroni brother-in-law so one of the guys that was up there and they were both from moroni my dad was from moroni and anyway i told him the story what had happened and everything that happened. So the next day, I think it was on a Sunday, actually, I decided to ride down off the mountain. I was feeling pretty bad that I didn't get that elk. So I had to ride the horse all the way down. I took a shortcut, ended up down by a little place called Jerusalem. And then from Jerusalem, I rode on down to what we call the West Road. It was a highway. I was riding that horse along there and I hadn't been there too long, and here came my dad from Moroni, and 
he pulled up and he he was ready to go. He heard the story had got embellished a little bit by the one guy's dad. And his nickname was Cupcake. And Cupcake, I guess, had embellished the story a little bit and, and told him that five guys from Fountain Green took my elk away by gunpoint. And he was ready to go confront them and clean their plow. <laughs> my dad was pretty aggressive that way. And, and he was ready to go up there and have it out with them for stealing uh, my elk at gunpoint. And I explained to him what had happened, you know, that we'd flip for it. And we decided both had hit the elk and we flipped for it and I lost. But anyway, that was my first elk that I ever shot. And like I said, I thought, oh boy, this is easy. I'll get another one. This was in 1973, and I didn't get to shoot another elk until 1981, even though I hunted years in between. Of course, I spent two years in Japan. I couldn't hunt then, but I hunted elk every year, and I never shot another elk until, until 1981. No, I didn't question that time. I, I shot it. It practically walked right on top of me, and I shot it from the hip with my Winchester Model 70 because it was just going to walk right on top of me. Tell us about that. What happened? I was laying there on a, uh, behind a log because these elk just kept coming, cow elk, calves. And then this spike bull come along on my side of the log and was just about to step on me. And I just shot it from the hip. <laughs> I just put my gun up and took it off safety and just shot it right there from the kind of from the hip because it was about to walk over me. Where did you hit it? can't remember but i downed it right then it went right down so i hit it probably probably right in the chest and hit it through the heart anyway no dispute then no guys came up and tried nobody to around you. oh i gotta tell you though as i was walking down out of there there was my brother-in-law john and <laughs> i told him i got that elk and anyway i went on down and Met up with the other guys. We were in a pickup. We were camped over in a place called Meadow Fork. So I had to go all the way down to Spring City and then back up. And when we went to Spring City, we got the one guy's horse and went up and took the elk out. But when I got to the elk, the ivories were gone. Out of the no. Ivory. Somebody took the ivories out? <laughs> My brother-in-law. Just as a joke. That sounds like something Uncle John would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he took the ivories anyway. I love hunting. I love that I grew up next to the mountains and I could go hunting anytime I wanted. I miss those opportunities. I hope I can pass them along to my children. Thanks everybody for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and we're gonna end this one by an obvious manly sound that I shouldn't have to explain. <laughs>